Pastor Xavier Reese stresses the permanent bond of marriage on today's Simple Truths. God honors the institution of marriage and He expects you to be committed to it. You better think twice before you get into marriage. You're not asking somebody to go have a hamburger. You're not asking somebody to go steady. You're not asking someone to go on vacation with you. You're asking someone to be joined to you until death do you part. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Books, talk shows, weekend retreats, there are plenty of sources that abound in and around the church espousing marital counsel for those seeking advice. But today on Simple Truths, Pastor Xavier consults the ultimate marriage manual, the Word of God, for what the Creator has to say on the subject of marriage and divorce. In fact, we'll be hearing the very words of Jesus in response to some very direct questions from the Pharisees of His day. Let's look now into some timeless principles drawn from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10. It would be an understatement to say that our nation is in a crisis regarding marriage and divorce. I think it's two out of three marriages that fail today. And people jump into a second marriage just as fast. And certainly the church is no exception when we're talking about this because we see it operating even within the church. And uh, people just don't have the fear of God today. People do not have the commitment to God. If your commitment is not to God, it will never be to your marriage. And we try to make a commitment to marriage without making a commitment to God and we're putting the cart before the horse. And so often people get into the church and they look at a girl, they look at a guy and they have these ideals and, and, and they project these ideals to them and they're moved with goosebumps and, you know, like little puppies or tails are wagging and everything else. And, you know, they're excited. And I don't mean to downplay. That's exciting. That's part of it. But when you go into marriage, make sure that both your eyes are wide open. And then once you get into marriage, have a good eye and a bad eye. A good ear and a bad ear because you haven't married perfection. Remember that. And so I think much of the heartache that goes on in marriage in the church of Jesus Christ can be prevented. First of all, by having a genuine and total commitment to Jesus Christ, which means you would have it to His Word. Secondly, if you feel that God is going to uh, have you get married to a believer... We're not going to discuss non-believers because you're not supposed to marry a non-believer. If you feel that God has brought a Christian young lady to you or a young man, then you make sure that you grow in your engagement. Make sure that your relationship is right. Make sure that it's of the Lord. Make sure that, that you are a good, uh, you communicate with one another so that you diffuse all the potential booby traps for your marriage before you get into marriage. Now, you're not going to diffuse all of them. But you need to be honest with one another. I don't mean you have to go into specific details. But you better be honest because you're going to marry that person for the rest of your life. Unless you enter into marriage and you leave all kinds of booby traps to sabotage your own marriage. And you enter into marriage and then you feel betrayed and trapped, deceived, lied to. And I think today people jump into marriage too fast. 
And so you look at a girl who has a face, who has a body, and you marry her. And then you roll over in bed one day and you say, oh my God, what did I do? Some of you married success. A handsome guy. But all of a sudden you took him home and you found out that he tarnished like everybody else. Feet of clay. Now, it isn't my intention this morning to make you uncomfortable or to condemn any of you. Or to even come across in a very self-righteous, pious attitude. But to present to you a very clear teaching on marriage and divorce as Jesus gives to us here. Now, we can't build it upon any one passage, so we have to look at the whole of Scripture. But even in this passage here in Mark, there are some very clear things that Jesus says, and we need to hear them. We may not like them, but we need to hear them. Now, there are some of you that are here that have been divorced and remarried. I'm not here to condemn you. There is only one sin that God does not forgive, and that is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. A continual rejection and rebellion against God where God gives you up. And if God has given you up, you wouldn't be here this morning. There'd be no conviction. You wouldn't care. That's the best way to define it. And so we need to pay close attention to what Jesus says here because it's a question that it arises much in the body of Jesus Christ today also. In verse 1 of chapter 10, it says, Then he, Jesus, arose from there and came to the region of Judea by the other side of Jordan. And the people gathered to him again, and as he was accustomed, he taught them again. The Pharisees came and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife, testing him? And he answered and said to them, What did Moses command you? And they said, Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and to dismiss her. And Jesus answered and said to them, because of the hardness of your heart, he wrote you this precept. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. And in the house, his disciples asked them again about the same matter. And he said to them, Whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. And if a woman divorces her husband and marries another, she commits adultery. Strong but very clear words Jesus utters. And yet they are the words of God. In verse 1 we get the setting for the teaching on marriage and divorce. The first thing we see is that Jesus is just leaving the Galilee region. He's headed for Jerusalem. But what is he heading to Jerusalem for? To die on the cross for his bride, the church. Chapter 10, verse 32 to 34, he mentions for the third time his passion, his crucifixion, his resurrection. It is his blood that will be shed on Calvary that will in turn make his bride eligible to marry him. Apart from the blood of Jesus Christ, there's not one of us that can be leagued and joined with Christ. There's not one of us in this room that can put on a white vesture. Jesus is a weird groom. It is his blood, 
his righteousness that makes his bride righteous enough to marry him. What a contrast to us. We can do nothing to make our bride righteous. All we can do is exalt our own righteousness against our bride. That in itself shows us where we're coming from. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19 says it's by the precious blood of Jesus Christ that we are cleansed. His death will be the evidence of his love for her. Sacrificial, selfless, and all-sufficient. Now, when you think about that, you must put it in the context of Ephesians chapter 5 from verse 25 to 28 where Paul says that husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. As he died for her, to cleanse her, to wash her, to present her without spot, wrinkle, any such thing. That is a double analogy. Christ to the bride, the bride to Christ, husbands to wives, wives to the husband. Nowhere else do you find that in Scripture. And yet what Christ did for us, the bride, we are commanded as husbands to do for our wives. Now which one of you men can do that without the Holy Spirit and the power of the resurrection? I can't. I need Jesus Christ. Notice in verse 1 also that Jesus went into the regions of Judea by the other side of Jordan. This is what's called the Perean ministry. He left the Galilean ministry. He's headed down to Jerusalem. He's going across Jordan, down Perea. Then he's going to cross over uh, the Jordan again in verse 46 of chapter 10 and go into Jericho and then go up to Jerusalem to what? To die for his bride. But as his custom was, verse 1 tells us that he was there teaching the people. The greatest need in the church of Jesus Christ today is the teaching of the Word of God. You know why? Because there are too many people that are ignorant about what God's Word says, about life and practice. Secondly, we rebel or want to rebel at times, so we need to hear it all over again to be encouraged and convicted. And third of all, to always keep in mind that it is God's standard, not our own. And so we need to sit under the teaching of the Word of God consistently, faithfully. And so we are not to forsake the gathering of the saints as the manner of some is, provoking one another to love and good works, the Scriptures declare. This is the setting. In verses 2 through 9, the Pharisees question Jesus on divorce. In verse 2 and 3, we get the motive for their questioning. The Pharisees came and asked him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife, testing him. It isn't the first time as we follow the gospel of Mark, continual clashes. The intent here was to find some fault in his teaching so that they could discredit him before the people and charge him before the religious rulers. You know, there are still people today who are continually trying to find fault in Jesus and his teaching and his word. <laughs> And maybe not so much to charge Jesus or accuse him, but just to live according to their own will. They're no different. Notice the question. Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? We have people today going from pastor to pastor, church to church, and they ask, well, you know, this is my situation, and what's my rights for divorce in the Scripture? Well, right away I have a problem with the individual. I see that his intent is not to be reconciled and to and to bring the individual back to himself, but he's only caring to be set free. I have a great problem with that. There's an attitude problem. And when there's an attitude problem, it's very hard to change the action. 
I discipline my children and correct them and punish them greater for an attitude than an action. Because if I don't deal with an attitude, the action is impossible to change. The attitude is the most important. And so when they don't get their answer, they go to another church, they go to another pastor. Until they hear someone say, yeah, you can divorce them. You can divorce her. But who are they fooling? Not God. Only themselves. He answered and said to them, what did Moses command you? Jesus takes them back to the law of Moses. What did Moses tell? He had already talked about marriage and divorce in Matthew chapter 5, verse 31 and 32 on the, most, on the Sermon on the Mount. And there he said, except for the cause of fornication, you cannot divorce your wife. Now the word fornication has a wide sense of application. It means sexual immoral sin on many levels. It's usually identified with singles in the context, but the context will always determine how it's used. In the context of Matthew 5, 31 and 32, the context is marriage. Jesus is not teaching that if you had sex before marriage, your mate can divorce you. That's not what he's teaching. What he's teaching there in the context is that if you have some sexual immoral conduct while married, then you have broken the bond of marriage, which means what? Adultery. Now, the response was to the concession in the law, not God's original design in verse 4. They said Moses permitted a man to write a certificate of divorce and to dismiss her. Now, we need to look into this law, so just put your hand there, and this is found in Deuteronomy 24. God in his original intent was one man, one woman. They look back to Deuteronomy 24, verse 1 through 4, which was a concession in the law. Now, let me read it for you. It says, when a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some uncleanness in her. Keep that in your mind. And he writes her a certificate of divorce, puts it in her hand, and sends her out of his house. When she has departed from his house and goes and becomes another man's wife, if the latter husband detests her and writes her a certificate of divorce, puts it in her hand, and sends her out of his house, or if the latter husband dies who took her to be his wife, then her former husband who divorced her must not take her back to be his wife after she has been defiled. For that is an abomination before the Lord and you shall not bring sin on the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. Now, let me share with you some things that are implied here. First of all, we must be clear about this, that the law already said what was to be done with a husband or a wife who committed adultery. You find in Leviticus 20, verse 10, Deuteronomy 22, 22. That husband, that wife would be stoned to death. That's already established. They are making reference to the concession in the law. And the concession here in verse 1 through 4 of Deuteronomy 24 said this. First of all, it was a gracious allowance by God to protect the innocent woman. Not 
an allowance for divorce for any desire. Because we already said the law said if she committed adultery, she would be stoned, right? And so the whole thing weighs on that thing if he finds some uncleanness in her. That opened a whole can of worms. But let me say absolutely this, that some uncleanness could never imply or mean adultery because the law already said, stone them. That was already covered. So that has to be cleared up. But God made an allowance for the innocent woman who in fact was going to be given a bill of divorce by her husband who indeed did not commit adultery but he wanted to release her of his commitment to her. Secondly, it was not a command, but a concession. Thirdly, once he gave her that bill of divorce, if she went out and she married another man and that second husband died, she could not come back to marry her first husband if he regretted it. Why? Because it says there, she had been defiled. What does that mean? Sexual union had come in with someone else apart from her husband after marriage, and the bond of marriage was dissolved by what? Sexual union. Prior to that, it wasn't really honored by God. And so we need to understand what Deuteronomy 24 is really saying. It was a protection for the woman lest she should be living in a home of without love, with abuse, and mistreatment. And so there was a toleration, a concession for the protection of the woman and also to give an orderly manner by which to take care of these difficult situations so that divorce would not permeate the society of the Israeli people and the people of God would be like all other people. That's what Deuteronomy 24, verse 1 through 4 teaches. What a far cry that is from what the Pharisees had interpreted to mean. Now, there were two schools of thought during this time when they were talking to Jesus. There was a school of Hillel and the school of Shammai. Rabbi Hillel was the liberal. He taught that a man could put away his wife for every cause. If you take the parallel passage of Matthew 19, verses 1 through 12, the Pharisees, when they came to Jesus, they asked him exactly that. They said, is it lawful for a man to divorce or put away his wife for every cause? What were they referring to? They were referring to Deuteronomy 24 and to the interpretation of Hillel. He said, if your wife burns your bagels, you can divorce her. If your wife talks to another man in the street, you can divorce her. If you see a more beautiful woman in the street, then your wife becomes unclean in your eyes. You can divorce her. We still have disciples of Hillel around today. Then there was the school of Shammai. He was the conservative. He said, there is only one reason for you to have scriptural grounds for divorce after marriage. He said that was adultery. Jesus confirms and affirms this in Matthew 5, 31 and 32. Except for the cause of sexual sin, you have no grounds for divorce. Very clear, very powerful, 
very shocking words to both the disciples and the Pharisees. Because the disciples and Matthew say, well, Lord, who's able to handle this? It's better that we don't marry. He says, not everybody can receive this. There's eunuchs made for the kingdom of God, eunuchs made by men, and there's other eunuchs that are born eunuchs. And if you can receive this, fine. What is Jesus saying? You better think twice before you get into marriage. You're not asking somebody to go have a hamburger. You're not asking somebody to go steady. You're not asking someone to go on vacation with you. You're asking someone to be joined to you until death do you part. Now, I see the wheels turning and the smoke coming up. If you are married this morning, whether you are married to a non-believer or a believer, God honors the institution of marriage and he expects you to be committed to it. If you came to the Lord after you were married, then Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, you stay married to that non-believer. Love him. Pray for him or her. Maybe they'll come to Christ. But you're not to leave the person just because they are non-believers. The only way that you are set free from a non-believer, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 7, which is the second scriptural ground for divorce, is if that non-believer abandons you. They say, listen, I am tired of your Jesus junk, and I don't want to be married to your Jesus freak, and I'm getting out of here. Then Paul says, you are set free. Those are the only two clear scriptural reasons for divorce that I can or will give to you. Now, let me give you a footnote. There are other situations that must be dealt with individually that may be impossible for you to remain married with the individual when these two things have not taken place. Example, supposing your husband is a drug addict in the day that we're living in, you don't know whose needles he's using, what's going on, and you can be contacted with AIDS or whatever it is. It may come to the place, because he continues in that lifestyle, that it would be impossible for you to remain with him because of the danger to you. If a man was to torment you physically, uh, emotionally, spiritually, to the point where you're losing your mind. That would have to be looked at individually. The whole thing behind situations like that is only you can determine how long to hang in there. Don't look to me or a pastor or anybody else to tell you when to cut them loose. Too many people are looking for a preacher or a minister to say, Hey, cut them loose. No, you need to go to God and you say, Lord, how long? Abigail, Nabal, he was married to a fool. God killed him. She was released. How long do you hang in there? You go to God. Everybody's looking for the permission of the pastor and for the professional counselor today. What happened to God? And so we're looking around just like the Pharisees. We come up with, a, well, is it lawful for me? What does the Word of God say? It's clear. 
It's to the point you go to God. Pastor Xavier Reese, drawing the divine and applicable simple truths about marriage and divorce from our series in the Gospel of Mark. Now, there's much more of this message to come next time, but if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, as always, you can pick up a copy, and the title you want to ask for is simply, What About Marriage and Divorce? It's available on CD for only $4. And this might be a study you'd like to pass on to someone in your church or Bible study when you're through. Now, once again, the title to ask for is, What About Marriage and Divorce? Or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 